0: From the Department of Surgery at the University of Wisconsin, welcome to the Surgery Set. I'm Jonathan Kohler, an assistant professor in pediatric surgery here in Madison, home of the Badgers. This is a podcast all about surgery and the individuals who are at the cutting edge of it, and we're glad you're here. In this episode, we're speaking with Dr. Seth Daly. He's a surgeon in the Division of Otolaryngology here at the University of Wisconsin, where he specializes in voice, airway, and swallowing disorders. Dr. Daly also has expertise in professional and performing voice disorders, laryngeal cancer, and vocal cord paralysis. And as you'll hear, he has a good performing voice of his own. Dr. Daly did his undergraduate years at Columbia, went on to med school at New York University, and did his residency at Albert Einstein College of Medicine, and then moved to Madison. He has a book entitled The Laryngeal Dissection and Surgery Guide, available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com for your reading pleasure. And uh, we had a wonderful interview, so welcome, Dr. Daly. Dr. Daly, welcome to the surgery set. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you. And and um, we were just talking before we started recording a, a little bit about how you came to, to be working here in Madison. You've been here for 13 years now?
1: Yep, almost 13 and a half years. It's my lucky 13th year.
0: Fantastic. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff you're doing here. But just tell us first, like, how, how did you find your way into the sort of subspecialty of otolaryngology of laryngology?
1: So otolaryngology is by its nature sort of a conglomeration of funny little subspecialties like the sinuses and head and neck cancer and pediatrics and facial cosmetic surgery. And then over a period of time, uh, it developed due to increasing surgical techniques and science and expertise, its own little subspecialty of laryngology, which is, of course, disorders of the larynx. So largely dealing with voice and airway restriction in the upper airway and swallowing.
0: What diagnoses fall into your basket? And tell us just a little bit, like, what, what's a day in the life?
1: Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful specialty. So if you look in the literature, you know, most people who actually have hoarseness, even for a prolonged period of time, tend not to seek care. So there's a very likely a large population of individuals who suffer from voice disorders where they don't even seek care. So we're here to help, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, They will often complain of altered pitch, uh, too high, too low, uh, rough quality to their voice, which people either comment on or they themselves don't like. Um, And then, often, which is underappreciated, is the you know because the phonatory mechanism is basically one where you turn air power into sound power, and so it's a transformer. Hmm. And when that transformer lacks good efficiency, then you have to work harder to make the sound. And then that's a phenomenon of vocal fatigue and effort and strain. People feel pain in their neck and their throat. And they even, even get to the point of passing out and feeling faint when they have to push so hard. So in answer to your question is, you know, things like vocal cord paralysis where the vocal cords don't. Don't vibrate together because there's a little gap. We deal a lot with gaps. Mm, Basically, you know, you could summarize voice disorders in the larynx where we do two things. We open the vocal cords for better breathing and then we close them for better voicing. Yeah. Because it's sort of a little V-shaped valve. And those are the two principal things we do as surgeons.
0: And you came to this from an uh, appreciation for music and sound, right?
1: Yeah, I just, uh, I've always loved sound. And in fact, I'm one of the rare people who doesn't like music in the operating room because I actually like it in many ways more than operating. Not that I don't love Mm. operating, but I love sound that much more. So yeah, I speak French and Spanish and grew up in a very multicultural household. And there was always music, literally always music playing in the background, whether classical or or otherwise. And so uh, being a bit of an audiophile, the choice of a voice related specialty was an easy one for me. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. So do you do you treat a lot of performers? Is that part of what you do? Is that where you see a lot of that vocal cord strain?
1: So the interesting, you know, just by the numbers, there are about a million public school teachers in the U.S., and they get exactly zero hours of training for their voice prior to beginning work. Oh, of course. So as you might expect, they huh. are the most susceptible population to voice disorders, and uh, so we see a lot of teachers, a lot of voice professionals, and also. You know, 200 years ago, this was an agrarian society, everybody's a farmer, and 100 years ago, then it's an industrial society, and now it's a communication-based society. So everybody's talking, a lot of time on the phone, uh, dictation software, using you know, voice messaging for different varieties, Alexa, tell me this, Alexa, get the dog food, you know, whatever it is, people use their voice a lot. And so whether it's a professional who's using their voice a lot or just average person using their voice a lot, it sure is an active voicing time in history. Yeah. And so we as you know, voice professionals see a wide variety, but particularly the people with a heavy voice job, teachers, uh, lawyers, social work, some physicians, uh, everything you would expect. But we also are fortunate enough to see a lot of local performers and people who are coming through Madison on their way to wherever as part of uh, different traveling shows, Lion King, Rent, you name it.
0: It's just really striking to me. I mean, I would have assumed it was the opera singers, right? The people who are using like their voice to the extremes all the time. But maybe they're they're actually taught how to do that properly. And it's the people who actually have to be like, yelling at kids in the back of the classroom eight hours a day. That's right. Who don't have the training, who, who need more help.
1: That's right. There's a yeah. huge gap in uh, what is understood about voice production, or, or rather with teacher training. Yeah. So if you want to be a teacher, you learn about math or geography or managing difficult parents or the troubled child or et cetera, et cetera. But absolutely nothing is taught to them about actual voice production, which is, of course, what they do all day.
0: How remarkable. I never would have thought so that. So it's a huge yeah.
1: it's a, it's a huge OSHA violation basically. So we're we're catching up with that over time and but it's difficult to develop standards. But that certainly will be, you know, part of our future um, as a you know business savvy America who wants to keep people employed.
0: Right. I mean so there's a whole injury prevention Absolutely. side to what you do. Absolutely. And then what are, what sort of interventions are you doing?
1: Yeah, so we have you know the the Uh, specialty really has evolved a lot over the last 30 years. Um, I mentioned before that we move vocal cords closer together uh, for better voice, and we can do that a number of ways with solid implants through small operations through the neck, or we do a lot in the office now with temporary uh, injectable materials, gels and pastes, things that we've adapted largely from plastic surgery where these gels and paste have been used for many years, and we tend to adapt them for our use. Uh, We also can inject lots of drugs into the vocal cords. It's a source of huge inflammation because, again, it's the transformer of aerodynamic into acoustic energy. So the vocal cords are basically shock absorbers, Hmm. and they vibrate about a million times a day on average. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So what that means is that they're subject to a lot of trauma and repair, trauma and repair, and steroids can be used to help repair some of that uh, inflammation at times, but we also use other drugs like Botox, speaking of plastic surgery. So hmm. Botox is used for tremor, which is very common uh, in people over 50, 60, 70, 80 with increasing frequency. So about one in eight people over 80 will have some form of tremor, which is a wow. big number. Yeah. May or may not affect their voice, but it's a, it's a common problem. And then other neurolaryngological say that five times fast. Disorders like spasmodic dysphonia are principally treated with Botox. And then, you know, for people with uh, airway stenosis, we do kind of opposite operations, if you will, where we can go through the mouth under general anesthesia or uh, and use special instruments or through the neck and reconstruct people's airways for better breathing. But there's been a tendency towards doing a lot of things in the office now because we have an aging population, yeah. cost containment, convenience for patient, and uh, we're always in the process of trying to assess our results and uh, figure out what newer and better thing we can we can do for people.
0: Amazing, yeah. And we've we've spoken to other people in your department, right, who are building new larynxes from scratch, That's right? right. So That's everything right. from this sort of it's super advanced technological, like tissue engineering approaches that you know we're, we may see in the future, down to Yeah, take a little bit of Botox and and inject it right on the vocal cord. That's right. So remarkable range.
1: We like to think that we're we're, uh, really good at uh, uh, a wide variety of things to help people's voices. And it should be mentioned that just about everybody can benefit from voice therapy. No matter how good your voice is Mm -hmm. when you came in, probably there are things that can be done to improve it. And so voice therapy, we work very closely with the speech pathology team, because you know, one doesn't happen without the other. It's it's like having it'd be like having a knee operation and never getting rehabilitation, right? That'd be insane. Yeah. So it's the same with it's the same in the voice world. They they're you know hand in glove.
0: You're talking about these very sophisticated techniques that, and this range of techniques and this evolution of techniques, right? You're not doing mm-hmm. the same thing now. It sounds like as you were doing even a short time ago.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, one one thing you're doing that that I think is really interesting is, is you're actually, you know, you're not keeping those techniques hidden in your office. We're, we're doing some outreach to try to teach people about these things. And you've got a couple events coming up to address those. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: That's right. Yeah. So it's such a rapidly evolving field and more and more people who are uh, trainees, who are residents, have an interest in it. And then people who have been out as practicing otolaryngologists want to be able to expand their skills or hone their skills so we have a long history of trying to be a resource for the region and beyond the longest running uh, course that we have one of the longest running in the nation is called the phonosurgery symposium and so another big long name for you but it's been going on for 30 years every other year and so this will be our 15th coming up this july and it has been preceded usually by a one-day more basic science scientific course this year the topic is uh, the upper airway microbiome so there's a lot of talk now in the scientific literature and in medicine about the contributions of regional uh, microbiologic effects on the environment whether it's the larynx or the gut or wherever right and
0: literally wherever like
1: yeah literally not doing the microbiome absolutely absolutely so um, there's a lot of great research going on here at UW and we've invited some speakers and so there'll be a full one day course on that and then we have our standard two-day phonosurgery symposium which includes didactic lectures um, short ones we try and make them very clinically relevant and have excellent speakers from all across the world in fact many from out of the country and then we have a hands-on workshop session for a little over a half day people learn surgical techniques it's very small group very intimate people feel very comfortable asking questions and we want it, we get it to be a high yield situation for learners cuz they don't feel intimidated it's not a huge group or big hall and it's very family oriented and that's one of the reasons why people love it
0: yeah, you said it's not it's not sage on a stage. I not think that's a the term not, you used, use. Right? That's right. Not it's a sage on a stage. Small groups of people working with national experts, and not just microsurgeons or laryngos or laryngologists, right? It's a multidisciplinary.
1: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So it's speech pathologists, uh, pulmonologists, um, uh, epidemiologists. Uh, we've had special speakers from uh, geriatrics. The financial aspects of medicine, where it's going, insurance coverage, we try to always have uh, a few outside speakers to shed some light on where we, they think our field is going and to kind of keep our minds fresh.
0: And that's, uh, that's in July, July that's 12th in July. it starts and then that's the, the basic science course, the July 13th, 14th is the main symposium. So that's square in the middle of the
1: just nicest time in the world Absolutely. to be in Madison, so, so, Wisconsin. Always we, it's always the weekend of the Madison Art Fair. Oh, awesome. So it's a big draw for that. Yeah,
0: fantastic. And then you've got another thing coming up in May. That's, that's the laryngeal uh, dissection, dissection course. course, right? That's right,
1: yeah. So laryngeal dissection course uh, is a one-day event. We also have great national teachers who come for this and volunteer their time. We're always very grateful for what they do. And so we have a huge chili and beer night the night before for the faculty. <laughs> good okay. for the vocal cords. Yeah. It's terrible for the GI tract, but it makes them happy. So that's Great. good. Um, and then the, then on Saturday, it'll be May 19th, uh, we'll have a one-day course where uh, people learn different approaches to different operations that are common or sometimes uncommon for laryngeal surgery. So laryngeal surgery is super rapidly evolving. We have laser stations, we have injection stations, we have open surgery stations, we have pediatric, we have adult, um, endoscopic, open. Oh, uh, it's a really wide variety of stuff and we've introduced um, a new concept called the master class. So a master class is where a genuine expert surgeon in the field will demonstrate Give a brief didactic, brief uh, outline, maybe ten minutes, fifteen minutes tops. People ask questions, and then we'll pre- perform the procedure on actual tissue um, to show the learners how to do it, and then they get to do it with the teacher. So yeah. it's a very, again, very so small. So it's like see
0: one, do one, teach one in a nice abbreviated. That's interval. right.
1: But it's yeah. also a zero risk environment since right. it's not doing it on a real person, mm-hmm. and so people feel very comfortable to make mistakes, to ask questions. You know, no question is too silly. We really encourage an open atmosphere. And again, I think that's why people like it. So they get a broad exposure, but then they can also tailor their educational experience down to what they want by shifting their day around. So we offer people a lot of flexibility to tailor their experience.
0: And you're offering this to a wide variety of professionals. Now, this is more sort of focused on proceduralists, right? But this is ENT residents. This is established surgeons who want to learn techniques. It's like the gamut of of the otolaryngology
1: world. Absolutely. It's the whole gamut. And then also we uh, we every year we'll have speech pathologists come because there's nothing quite like learning how to rehabilitate an organ once you have felt it in your hand. Mm-hmm. Once you've touched the tissue, once you've seen uh, what the instruments are, you know, the sorts of things that surgeons might muck up by accident. Right or things that we will do perfectly or how does the tissue respond to this sort of touch or feel or stretch so they get an intimate uh, understanding of of the tissue and some of the procedures by being able to hang out with surgeons all day so yeah. again it's a lot of fun fantastic
0: so just to restate the the laryngeal dissection and surgery course coming uh Saturday May 19th and then uh, the phonosurgery symposium July starting the 12th and, um, with the laryngeal microbiome course and then the 13th and 14th for the main body of the symposium. Two really exciting events and we'll have links on our website for how to go register for that and that'll be up on the surgery website as well. Registration open yet or opening Registra-
1: soon? Registration is open, yes sir. Wonderful,
0: fantastic. Well, thank you so much for, for coming in to join us, telling us a little bit about your day, teaching us a lot about uh, how, how the vocal cords work Small, small things with a big footprint. You got it. Yeah.
1: Um, Well, it's been a pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. Great. Thank you.
0: Join us next time on The Surgery Set when I chat with Dr. Chip Foley and Dr. Laurel Rice, a two-surgeon couple who have managed to maintain a marriage while still sustaining successful careers as surgeons. We'll hear about the benefits and the drawbacks of being a two-surgeon family, the false notion of the trailing spouse, and much more. See you soon. The surgery Set is a production of the Department of Surgery at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. This episode was produced by Chelsea Johnson and me, Jonathan Kohler. It was recorded by Chris Hansen and edited by Elizabeth DiNovella. Our theme song is On Wisconsin, arranged and produced by Jamie Schmidt. I encourage you to visit us at surgery.wisc.edu, where you can find links to Grand Rounds, free CME credits and more. You can also check out the UW School of Medicine and Public Health video library for a wide range of medical education resources at videos.med.wisc.edu. In addition, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. And of course, you can follow us on social media. You can like our Facebook page and also find us on Twitter at Wisc Surgery. And I'm at J.E. Kohler, K-O-H-L-E-R. Please feel free to let us know how we're doing, rate and review us on your podcast app, and don't hesitate to let us know of any topics you'd like us to cover. Thanks, and we hope you check back soon.